0: Hello, it's the Campaign Podcast. I'm your host today, Omar Oaks. We are back to look at the big stories this week in the world of advertising, media and marketing at this unprecedented time in human history amid the coronavirus crisis. We're also speaking to Siobhan Kenny, Chief Executive of Radio Centre, to look at how the crisis is impacting on the radio sector. And joining me today on this episode is Campaigns UK Editor-in-Chief, Gideon Spanier. Hello, Gideon. Hi, Omar. Hello. And joining us from Alexandra Palace is Siobhan Kenny, Chief Executive of Radio Centre. How are you, Siobhan?
1: Hi there, Omar. I'm really well, but it's just the irony of being so close to the place where the first television programme was ever broadcast. Sadly, our broadband is really bad, so I'm struggling working from home.
0: Um, I think struggling is the right word for what a lot of us are experiencing Um, very interesting times for how broadband providers keep up with this excess demand in the middle of the day and you know if you've seen the stories come out of the US they're having an even harder time struggling with that but let's go on. Um, Now Siobhan you've been chief executive of Radio Centre for five years now is that right?
1: Yeah nearly six amazingly.
0: Yes and um, prior to that you had a key role in bringing the 2012 Olympics to London. Um, how would you say um, the, the, the crisis that we're facing now and managing that compares to that logistical behemoth of the Olympics?
1: Well, I think it's just completely different because handling a crisis is not the same as pulling together a massive, even if it's a global international event. So I think the, the main thing I can think of to compare this to, although even then it's not directly comparable, is the 2008 financial crash. And I think we can take some lessons of how the government dealt with that. Gordon Brown was a very decisive leader on the world stage. uh, and, And I think that started off the tone of how we dealt with it and how the government dealt with it. Now, this has been a different thing altogether. You know, something that emerged in China and then rolled out across many other countries. But if I had to comment on how the government was handling it, I think perhaps a little slow start. But I think now they've done a lot better. I think the daily press conferences are really good. Uh, personally, I'd like to see a bit better use of tech. And, you know, I know governments love this, but the all the sombre surrounds of Downing Street, I don't know, I'd prefer to see a really clinical, like, good modern communications hub for that to be done from but that's my own personal preference Mm,
0: and um gideon what do you think about that um gideon you famously um wrote a a what if piece of uh, i guess about a year and a half ago after martin sorrell resigned from wpp imagining what boris johnson uh would be like in the wpp uh ceo role um what do you think about um the the comms aspect of how the government's handled it thus far not
2: perfect that's for sure and i think what Siobhan says, it's very, very difficult to handle the crisis. What's clear is that they underestimated the scale of the threat and uh, didn't heed some of the warnings that uh, publications like The Lancet um, were making back in January. I think the messaging ha- has been a little bit patchy. It took a while to get the message out that people need to stay home and what social distancing means. It's been really interesting, I think, how some brands like supermarkets have also swung behind the messaging, and that's helped a lot because they're, if you like, at the front line of where ordinary people are. And I know that a lot of the agencies that are involved, Mother No, Manning Gottlieb, Wavemaker, they are you know, very, very closely involved. They are in the cabinet office physically, and there is a communications hub there. And unfortunately, this is going to go on for a while when you've got senior members of the government getting sick, as they have in the last week with Corona. Um, and we see them on Zoom calls now. Um, it's I feel like there's a long lot further to run and it's very hard to keep people's uh, confidence up. I think that's going to be the next big challenge. And I know what they describe as fostering community spirit is the next big challenge for the kind of comms team and obviously we want to hear something about possible solution the testing now is another thing where the government needs to show it's on top of it
1: I I totally agree with that about the messaging that we've suddenly got the stay home protect the NHS and save lives I think has been very powerful but there's absolutely uh, there's, there's going to be a tipping point in how long will people tolerate the current lockdown if you like and I think if I was them I'd be thinking very hard about how to manage that piece as are we coming out are we coming out gradually uh, and how you're going to communicate that because it's very easy to get mixed messages out there so I think that's a challenge for them I really do.
0: Indeed and important to keep remembering the human aspect of it you know we've never been through the situation in which our modern economy asks everyone to or most people to work from home it's a big challenge and we still don't know the full impact of that yet. Um, We're going to move to an interview I did with Stephen Woodford uh, in a few minutes, who is chief executive of the Advertising Association, to talk about um, what the industry has been asking for and what what the government needs to do. Um, But for now, let's focus on radio, Siobhan. Talk to me about what you're seeing. We On campaignlive.co.uk, we had a story last week saying one in six people, um, this is according to a Bauer survey, one in six people say they're listening to more radio as they adjust to staying at home. Um, in the nicest possible way, is this coronavirus crisis a good thing for radio listening?
1: Oh. Well, I don't think I'd ever want to couch it like that, but it is true that you know, radio listening has shot up during the times that people have been uh, have been stuck at home over the last few weeks, and we're seeing particularly interesting spikes. Um, like uh, normally, there's a morning. Peak and then everybody goes to work, but actually that peak just continues, which I imagine is people listening while they still uh, while they while they sit down to do their work. So yes, radio listening uh, double digit increase. You, will, you 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 would have seen some of the stats, but most stations are posting about a fifteen percent increase in reach, and some are, you know things like LBC has posted an amazing forty three percent increase in listening, and that that it's a pattern that's incre- that is echoed across the country so some of our smaller stations exactly the same thing but the flip side of that is that uh, in common with with all of our friends across the industry we've seen a, a catastrophic decline in advertising because lots of campaigns have been pulled you know our our biggest advertisers are in leisure entertainment restaurant industry so you can see why that has all gone at this time so it's a, it's a funny old picture that just as we're in a, the strongest position in terms of listening you know we're we're really struggling in terms of advertising
0: Indeed, um, one of the pieces I wrote last week detailed what's happening with digital media and, you know, social media as an example. They're seeing huge spikes in traffic on the social media platforms, but yet spend is down. So it's a similar story of a lot of sectors. And Gideon, um, you wrote um, a story at the beginning of this week um, detailing how the ad market faces a drop of fifty percent um, in April. And that talk to us about how that's actually shaking out. In in between
2: sectors such as radio internet tv so yeah, i think the picture that siobhan is painting is basically uh, rippling out across the whole of the ad market and um, cinema is dark because the cinema shut down uh, around two weeks ago you've got out of home heavily down because so many people are staying at home uh, tv is sort of in the same position as radio the the, the audiences are up but uh, just the um, number of advertisers is down heavily. Other areas like uh, automobile, um, they are, you know, holidays, travel, all of that has massively uh, fallen. I mean, travel's close to zero. Um, you are seeing the the news brands struggling in a different way, which is um, there's a lot of um advertisers which are blocking keywords around coronavirus so they are missing out on ad revenue even though their page views are up and the cam- there's a campaign from newsworks which is the counterpart to radio center for the news publishing industry which has been urging people uh, to effectively n- to support not block i think back not block um journalism at this time so it's a very tough picture. I think there is some money uh, still in search and in social, uh, some of the streaming services are advertising quite heavily. The government itself is advertising. But you know e-commerce companies, they don't necessarily need to advertise that much. It's very hard for them to keep up with demand. So I've got to say that this is such a fast-moving situation. Every day is changing that you, you know it's difficult to be confident about April, but I've spoken to quite a large number of people. And that's where we've come out with this 50% forecast drop for UK. But we'll have to see what it means. That might not necessarily mean a 50% drop in agency revenue because they get other fees and so on. It's not just a sort of commission. But it's super tough. And just when we were talking about government communications before, the sort of government support for furloughing and uh, for freelancers is going to be critical because so many people are losing um, their livelihoods right now.
1: And again to Gideon I would just to echo that with radio it's because it's a kind of relatively fast turnaround medium in terms of advertising uh, we can tend to feel the pain earlier but sometimes come out quicker on the other side so radio is quite a good bellwether of how things are going to turn out in in the end and and with the you know Obviously, we've had loss of some advertisers, but you will have already seen like supermarkets, various other uh, industries have come in to advertise their messages, their public information messages around when they're open for key workers, when they're open for the elderly, that kind of thing. So there is some replacement going on, definitely, but but, but not enough at present.
0: And Siobhan, can you tell us how do radio media owners adapt to the situation? You know, I was listening to you capital last week and i was still hearing ads for um western musical shows um which had obviously <laughs> been booked yeah. some time before the crisis period. and hadn't got around to being replaced um and it got me thinking how you know if you were one of those supermarkets who wanted to do some quick turnaround work given that we're all working from home and productions having production companies are having to adapt to that how do the really how does the the industry adapts?
1: Well, you know, we're always saying how easy it is to uh, make radio ads, and this is really a test even of our own ingenuity because we're doing an ad ourselves at radio center this week and i have to say the challenge of making those ads when you're all remote i mean we'll all be feeling this across all the areas that we work in but when you're all in a room together you can say very quickly oh no i don't like that can you just a bit more of this and a bit less of that it's actually much harder when you're doing this remotely so someone records your ad it comes back to you and you're oh that's not quite right that's not what we meant to say so i think we're seeing a lot of it now but i agree with you that was a little bit of a lag but definitely if you start listening now I think there's far fewer of those adverts that you think oh hang on a minute that's not you know you can't go down to the bank or whatever it is so I think we're catching up pretty quickly but it's definitely challenging it really is and for me as well it's it's an interesting reflection on how we all work now because certainly I, I don't know about you guys, but obviously there's a push for working more remotely. But I think what we've all learned from this experience is that a balance is what you need because the the what you get through being in a room together and the way you can bounce off each other is so valuable.
0: Yes, um, Paul Burke, a regular columnist for Campaign Writing last week, if the advertising industry were a football club, radio is now its caretaker manager, steadying the ship while the club is in crisis. Well, uh, I
1: do not want to be seen like the Sam Allardyce of the uh, of the radio industry. You know, I think we're much more glamorous and sexy than that. <laughs>
0: uh, no comment on that. Uh, <laughs> and in terms and in terms of the revenue, uh, the hit to add revenue that we're seeing across the boards, um, you mentioned supermarkets, Siobhan. Are there particular sectors or other sectors which are now coming into radio that we haven't seen before?
1: Well, not so much that we haven't seen before, but I mean, certainly we're asking government to up their spend on radio because it's a very quick and easy way to get their their messages out. I mean, back to how the government is dealing with the crisis, really. I can absolutely see why the government loves social media. Of course you do. Of course they do, and it's very effective. But there's also 20% of the population who don't even have access. To the internet, so I'd say back to a key message with crisis communications of any sort is you've got to keep repeating your key messages again and again and again especially as these ones are changing. So I think the government should definitely be investing in massive multimedia campaigns, television, radio, to get their messages out there, and especially as they start lifting restrictions because it's a never-changing picture, isn't it? You know, So we need to see a lot more of that. And I think uh, in terms of who's coming into radio now, lots of our traditional advertisers but with different kind of messages you will have heard sort of banks and financial institutions the same thing so it's a it's a very interesting picture
0: now let's go to this interview i did later on tuesday with stephen woodford from the advertising association i began by asking stephen how this coronavirus crisis
3: compares to the financial crash of 2008 2009 i think the really big difference about this crisis compared to uh, 2008-9 is the speed and breadth uh, that this has moved at. If you think about the financial crisis, actually, it started with subprime, it then became, you know, a a, a run on uh, secondary banks, like here we had in the Northern Rock situation. And, And actually, when you look back at it, it unfolded across a year. And it was really, I mean, the wider impacts on the economy, obviously, were there, and it was a long, slow recovery. But that felt like slow motion, compared to the impact that this has had you know we are living in a completely unprecedented moment in terms of the whole economy closing pretty much everybody at the same time going to work from home you know that the scale of the government response to this i think has been staggering and i think particularly i was watching the news last night and thinking about the nightingale hospital that they built at the excel a four thousand bed hospital in about two weeks that is just magnificent uh, and, cl- and clearly, they, you know, they're they're building it because they anticipate they're going to need it, and uh, so that may well be full in the next two or three weeks. But the sort of everything, in a sense, uh, defies uh, any comparison. Um, particularly when you know, if we if we look at the impact on our business, we've never had something like this, which is, in effect, I've, I think it's like a giant blanket snuffing out all activity across uh, across a lot of parts of the economy, and obviously that's affecting. Uh, our industry too.
0: Mm. And what conversations are happening right now
3: between the ad association
0: and the government?
3: Well, there's been uh, an unprecedented sort of frequency uh, and breadth of interaction with government. So we've been talking to DCMS, which is the department we normally uh, work with. So Department of Culture, Media and Sport, we've been talking to Bayes, the Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy Department. We've also had input into uh, Treasury plans, and they've been consulting about, as an example, the um, self-employed and freelance scheme. Uh, we've been talking to the Department of International Trade, who we work very closely with uh, around promoting British advertising exports. Um, so, and we've had some impact, input into the Cabinet Office. We've had conference calls with ministers, uh, roundtables. Uh, I was on the phone earlier today with um, civil servants at Bayes following up on some things that came up on the call earlier this week. Um, so, you know, I think in a way it's, it, it reflects the scale of this. The, you know, we always have uh, a lot of interaction with government. You know, we recently it had been about Brexit and that was pretty frequent. But this um, is much more intense and, uh, you know, as, as befits the situation we're in. Do you feel that you're getting um,
0: enough airtime with the government do you think that you're getting enough of an opportunity to relay the concerns of the industry?
3: I do. I I we are um I so said the the dialogue is is really good. There are advertising experts in all those departments, particularly Bays and, and DCMS, who know our industry and it's their job to know our industry and 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 liaise. Uh but we're also talking to the um everybody right up the sort of civil service ladder and then also to ministers as well. So because advertising is one of the leading creative industries and the creative industries are such an important part of the UK economy, both domestically and in terms of exports. And we're part of the wider services economy, you know, services is over 50% of GDP and in, uh, in terms of the private sector GDP, and 80% of the total economy. So, um, you know, we're seen by government as an important industry in our own right, in terms of the, the scale and the um, importance of uh, uh, the importance of advertising but actually the, the one thing that advertising has that other industries don't have it it's a sort of indicator it's like a bellwether for the wider economy because we in effect are working for the wider economy the, the our, our client base is across the whole economy and so what happens in advertising you don't have a sense that almost um
0: the advertising and media industry. There's a chance of it being left behind, as it were, because the government has so many crises to deal with in terms of um, what the the wider economy and other businesses, such as you know, you have seen the travel industry, which needs to be bailed out, for example. Is there's no chance that the advertising industry is going to be left behind?
3: Well, I think I think all industries are fighting for airtime. There's no doubt about it, and they they've they've you know they've all got their particular. Uh, um, circumstances that they're talking about that they want help with but when you think about the government responses actually they are broad scale uh, the, the the furlough scheme um, for, for for salaried employees the freelance scheme um, these cut across you know many many sectors but, but particularly you know those two are very important to hopefully protect the long-term well-being of employees and then the um, the business interruption loan scheme a lot of our businesses in our industry are SMEs and you know, need access to finance. Uh, so these are big, broad brush schemes that are relevant to our industry as they are to many, many others. So I think, you know, no doubt government are trying to find things that help the whole economy as opposed to sectors of the economy, because the whole economy is impacted. Um, so we're now, it's interesting, we're now in the phase of feeding back and talking about implementation. So what are the challenges that? Uh, businesses are facing in terms of either applying for a loan or using the furlough scheme Um, so our call earlier on today uh, was about that about feedback we've had from uh, firms in our industry about the challenges of implementing some of these things so having announced some massive um, interventions and supports for for the economy um, the whole narrative is now changing to how well are these things working are they reaching the right people are they you know, is the bureaucracy getting in the way, etc, etc. So it's, um, that's where I think our focus is going to be for the next few weeks.
0: And so what do you, based on the conversations that you're having with creative agencies, media companies, or parts of the industry, going forward, what do you think that tailored response is
3: going to look like? Well, I think, I I think one of the key things that we've all, you know, that we just is the unknown at the moment is, is the, the duration of this, you know, is this going to be Uh, you know, a three-month thing, a two-month thing, a six-month thing. Um, I think businesses um, can adapt and uh, react and we've seen incredible uh, um, sort of flexibility and responsiveness to this. But it's the duration and the unknown nature of that that I think is maybe the biggest challenge at the moment where you just don't know how long this is going to go on for. And i just seen, in fact, just before... Uh, we started speaking, I've just seen some press coverage about uh, more confidence in the government about NHS capacity. And in a sense, it's NHS capacity that is driving the lockdown. Um, the massive expansion, not just the Nightingale Hospital in London, but the big hospitals that are going to Manchester and Glasgow and, and um, Wales and so on, uh, Cardiff, are all part of meeting the challenge. And uh, I think it was Grant Shapps this morning in an interview said, you know, um, we've got to be careful that the, uh, that the, that the, the prevention isn't, isn't worth w- worse than the cure in terms of the impact on the, the economy. So if NHS capacity is the driving factor for a lot of the policy choices that are being made, as this enormous amount of new capacity comes on stream. And the other, I thought, stunning news this morning was that McLaren or Mercedes McLaren have invented a completely new uh um respiration machine uh, in the last week and they're going to be making a 1000 a day by the weekend i mean just stunning uh, responses so you know that just felt to me that that we maybe we might see um the peak come a bit sooner and the nhs be able to cope better in which case um hopefully this sort of lockdown uh can be lifted more quickly because you know every day this goes by it's doing immense damage not just to our industry but to every part of the economy yeah for sure what
0: help do you think creative agencies and media companies as we described what help do you
3: need what help do they need first and foremost i think the most immediate thing is is uh you know protecting the employment of their people and you know i think uh you know furloughing has just become a phrase that everybody is now talking about I, I heard from an agency that had already furloughed twenty percent of their staff uh, and was potentially furloughing another tranche of staff um, in in the weeks ahead. So, um, you know, that clearly is a very helpful move for businesses, rather than the, you know, if particularly if you you imagine the pain of laying people off only to have to rehire them again in two or three months' time. One is obviously the you know the, the the waste of money that that would entail and i think this is a very um imaginative scheme to keep people in jobs and to help firms keep people in jobs uh, seeing the same thing happen the support for freelancers coming um and i know it's slow and it's relatively compared to some of the demands but at least it's coming um and hopefully it'll be relatively easy for people to access you know all these things make such a difference when people's livelihoods have just stopped and often work has just stopped you know within days
0: and given the speed of how how um quickly um the decline has been precipitated by the crisis do you think that it's going to happen quickly enough those measures to support small businesses in order to keep them going
3: yeah i think everybody hopes so i think there's there is about ba- there are bound to be firms that are just too stretched or, or uh, I was talking to somebody who runs an experiential business and he said, our business has just completely stopped and they, they had offices in a number of countries around the world where the same thing had happened. So, you know, generally if a crisis in one place might help, you know, if you're an international business, it might be offset by, you know, business carrying on somewhere else. In their case, I think they had four or five offices and uh, all of them on lockdown. Very, very hard, you know, when most... Um, most SMEs, but a lot of businesses in our industry might, you know, if they're, if they're doing well, they might have enough cash on their balance sheet to run for four five, six months. Um, you generally make the assumption that business is going to decline uh, and you draw on the reserves gradually rather than business just stopping uh, and all your work being postponed or, or cancelled. So these are some of the um, pressures that these government schemes are designed to help businesses with. The the key will be, you know, it's not in the headlines; it's in the detail, and the, the, you know, how fast firms can access them, and uh, how, um, you know, how how quickly the help can get into their businesses.
0: And so, what are you going to be doing over the next few days and weeks in terms of holding the government's feet to the fire and um, do
3: do more? What could they do? For for us, um, information from the from the sharp end, uh, experience from the sharp end is absolutely critical. The more we can get uh in terms of the actual experience that businesses are going through uh the better um so you know we want we want as much as possible and we want the detail um and either through you know whether it comes through the ipa or it comes direct to the aa or uh whichever you know is is uh, whatever the right channel is wherever the links are but we want that information we we have weekly calls like a status meeting every friday along with the IPA and ISBA uh, with DCMS, um, where we sort of uh, you know reflect on the week and what the key issues are. Um, we have a, a weekly meeting with uh, public affairs and communications people from across the industry uh, every Wednesday morning. Um, so we have one of those tomorrow. Um, so we're gathering people together and gathering insight and gathering experience uh, and channeling that in and helping. You know, there is no lack of... Uh, Will or uh, desire from government to solve these problems and to help our businesses as well as helping every other business. So we're not having to force our way onto the agenda. Um, you know, they want to. Government wants to get this right and wants to, uh, as far as possible, uh, you know, minimise the damage to the economy. I mean, but it's going to be. You know, the damage to the economy is already profound, and it's going to take a long time to repair or pay the bills for this um, but every week that goes by it just gets worse so this is why the, the you know the, the, the duration of, of the lockdown is so critically important not just for the economy but obviously for public health which must always be the first priority. So Stephen Woodford,
0: there now, Siobhan, explain to us Radio Centre's role because um, you you play a role in talking to government and different agencies, um, but you you don't have the the same role in terms of dialogue. Explain to us what Radio Centre does.
1: Well, it, we do. We we are carrying on the same kind of conversations that um, Stephen is with government departments, with DCMS in particular. But of course, because we represent media owners, we're also talking to Ofcom and to the government about our role as a public service broadcaster. You know, radio is one of the most trusted trusted mediums, and you know, at this time, you will see all sorts of public service being broadcast across all of our stations. So, in that way. We go to government to say, look, we are part of, we are we are a, a key public service broadcaster and, you know, our, indeed our staff have been designated as key workers in that respect. We also want to, we talked to Ofcom about, uh, and we have achieved some relaxation in the regulation on local content, just because at this moment in time with up to 25% of our workforce not able to go to work or self-isolating, it's just not practical for us to be able to broadcast out of so many different centres. But having said that, radio of course has the amazing attribute that you would have seen our presenters, you know, presenting from home. So we can do we are able to step up to the plate in that way. I think we need government help in exactly the same way as Stephen was outlining. You know, that lots of people have furloughed their staff already, uh, business rates huge issue for some of our smaller members in particular and we have fixed costs that you know like transmission the cost of transmission is really huge and it is particularly affects smaller operators so our role in talking to government is to is, is to represent the whole of the industry and also make sure that the smaller companies are are not forgotten while we're having those discussions because they have quite specific needs in what support they might need.
0: And one of the things Stephen mentioned in terms of smaller companies is the need for the government to act quicker in terms of getting loans to these businesses. I was wondering um, if if that's, if that's what you'll be asking for going forward. Maybe you have already asked for this.
1: I yeah, totally agree with that. I mean, we've, we've seen the story this morning about um, the banks and how they are, are seeming to not act quickly enough in terms of of uh, getting support out to smaller businesses. I mean, there's two things here. Is At first, yes, it's great that the government has stepped in in the way that it has, but for some of our smaller companies who really operate on the margins, uh, you know, it, it It won't be soon enough if it comes at the end of of April. And I'll make a broader point about the banks and the financial sector at this point. I really feel that this is a moment for them to rehabilitate themselves after the way they were perceived to behave in the 2008 crash. And if there's one thing they could do, it's really facilitate very quick loans to those small and medium-sized businesses up and down the country on whom we all know the economy depends.
0: What odds would you give of that happening?
1: I'm an optimist, so I'm going to say that they're that they're very high odds.
0: Okay, good. Um, Gideon, um, Stephen also mentioned um, one particular company which had already begun furloughing staff um, with yet more changes to happen in the near future. Um, Talk to us about what you've been hearing in terms of um, what agencies, how they're reacting to
2: this crisis and whether they're going to do similar things. Well, it's an incredibly tough time for pretty much any company. So um, I think it goes across uh, in the advertising marketing world, the client companies, the um, agencies, media owners, everybody. Um, to Siobhan's point about banks, you know, if you've got a lot of debt, that's a difficult place to be right now. And um, it's interesting that all of the big UK banks have agreed not to pay dividends under pressure from the Bank of England um, this week. So that tells you that the banks are being told to behave properly. Um In terms of cash flow, it's, again, incredibly difficult. I've heard lots of stories from both big and small um, agencies facing sort of various cuts, uh, clients unable to pay their bills while asking for very extended payment terms. If you're a travel company, you know, you're in huge trouble right now. We've seen a lot of companies already move to flexible working and furloughing some staff, and that includes Ocean Outdoor and and then local news publishers like... Uh, Newsquest, JPI Media, many many companies are going to have to do this. They might be taking a graduated approach, maybe trying to. They've already reducing discretionary costs. We've seen that for many of the big agency groups like WPP and Publicis, and uh, WPP not entering any awards this year. The top leaders taking twenty percent pay cuts, and I think we'll see that in almost every company because uh, there's a sense that it's going to be, I think, minimum three months and probably uh, considerably longer and it's better to take uh, extensive preparations now yes um, and there's a story on
0: our sites about um, the actions that WPP has announced it will take including freezing hires reviewing freelance spending I mean these are a lot of things that other companies will be doing as well freezing salary increases um, and looking at the cost of entering award shows as you mentioned we talked last week in our Events marketing podcast about the prospects of Cannes Lions in October as it's been rescheduled. But what's your sense,
2: Gideon? Is, is Cannes Lions actually going to happen this year? I think it's hard to say at this stage. There's definitely a degree of reluctance amongst some of the kind of key customers. Cannes is a great event, it's a celebration of creativity. And I think there's a lot of people in the industry who would like, in theory, for Cannes to happen. The challenge is one, Is this going to be a time where people are in the mood to really celebrate? Can they afford the time to go to the south of France? And of course, there's the general costs challenge. So it's not clear whether it will happen in the planned form. And I think we should assume that they are looking at alternatives. One possible idea is to make it more of a virtual event. But I think it is premature to know and can have said that they are talking to their customers and at the moment you know it's planned for the end of October.
1: But I would say to that as well Gideon I mean we're an organisation that kind of relies on putting on big showcase events Um, and it seems to me that even if You know, by September and October, we've come out of of the first phase of this. I do wonder about people's appetites for big events where everyone will be crowded in a room together. So we're looking at all sorts of other creative ways that we can achieve something of the nature that we need to, because I think it's just difficult to judge where our psychology will be at that time.
2: Yeah, and I'd add one other thing is that we've got colleagues um, from Campaign Asia and... In Asia, you know, they have not yet um, seek, sort of put coronavirus behind them. It's uh, sort of in this second wave now, and it's it's a really, really big challenge. And um, uh, it's well known that advertising and marketing usually feels the effects first. It's considered in some ways discretionary spend, even though we know that investing in advertising, um, even in a downturn, is a very good investment, which tends to pay back very fast in an upturn. These are very tough times uh, for everyone. And I think, basically, there is a chance to be a bit imaginative about how we stay in touch.
0: And and in, in a previous um, iteration of your career, uh, you were uh, working at number 10, Uh, working for Tony Blair who was Prime Minister at the time Um, and I I wondered if you can imagine if um, if this crisis had happened during um, that new Labour period of government um, given that it was less of a digital age than it is now um, how would the government have responded what differences would there have been?
1: I think there are some some rules of communication in a crisis that don't change, regardless of whether we now have an online media or not. We've now got 24-hour media, which puts much more pressure on on journalists, I think, or on all of us and the government to produce messages. But I'm going to just point you to what my old boss, Alistair Campbell, has written this morning, uh, which I think is a very sensible guide to government. You need to stop waffling government it's really good to have these press conferences but you need to be really clear so let's hear a lot a less of straining every sinew pulling out all the stocks we'll wrap our arms around you those are pointless phrases those those ministers should be put up there with a really clear message and by the way Boris Johnson could be doing these press conferences as well you know the rest of us are if if people are in isolation. So he should be doing them too. And I think second is for journalists really to be nailing down the questions they want to ask. There's no point asking three questions to a minister if you want one answer, because they'll just answer only the one they want to and ignore the other two. And if Downing Street won't allow a follow-up question, which is clear they won't, then journalists should work together together to get an answer, because if you're sitting in the hot spots, if you're the minister or Tony Blair back in my day, the question you most fear is a short, sharp question, which is based, which has a a specific answer. So a good example that Alistair gave today was, Minister, is it true that that the health service workers have been told that they're not allowed to talk to um, anyone about the shortage in the health service, yes or no? so i think there's, there's there's ways in which both sides could up their game really but i think in answer to the question of what would it have been like back in those days well i think i was i worked in number 10 in the house in the days when a the government was very popular uh, and, B, you know, communications was at the heart and soul of that operation. And unlike the current operation, there were quite a few women working there as well. That's my 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 observation, is there are very few female ministers being put up for these briefings. But also, there's no women working in the communications team in Number 10. There must be some good women out there, I'm sure.
0: Um, it's a good question for the government, that last point. Um I couldn't agree with you more about um, the role of journalists during this crisis and this video conference um, dynamic that we have with the daily press briefings. Um, You know, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, but I don't know if any of you saw the Michael Gove um, briefing yesterday. Um, But, you know, Robert Peston, I think I had about five or six questions. And you're completely right, Siobhan, that what it allows the minister to do is to pick and choose which questions he wants to answer and ignore the rest. And... I think if you've been watching what's been happening in the US with the Trump press briefings in the last few days, the dynamic has completely changed over there, where to your point about journalists working together to ask single pointed questions, they seem to be doing that a lot more. And President Trump has been under a lot of pressure to actually justify some of the claims that he's made at the beginning of this crisis. And we've seen um, a, a, a huge contrast in terms of how journalists, in my view, should be dealing with government during this crisis um gideon i was wondering in terms of you know how we how we campaign ask particular questions during this crisis um what do you think are going to be the big things that we're looking at in the next few weeks stephen woodford talked about furloughing for example um what 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 do you anticipate that are going to be the dynamics that we look at
2: well, I think the continued pressure on businesses is going to be uh, a key theme. We're going to be looking at the, I think the, the there's some brands that are going to uh, handle this uh, crisis well. Uh, Siobhan said right for, at the start about radio, you know, it's not a case of trying to be a winner here, but you want to try and do the right thing. And we have seen some companies, I think be a bit cold-hearted, and I would um, say uh, Sports Direct and Weatherspoons have been amongst those, and they've they've actually changed their policy. Their leaders have and been more generous uh, to staff, recognizing that this is a time where you need to show some compassion. Um, For campaign itself, we're going to publish our school reports in um, about two weeks' time, and they're the agency school reports there from 2019, and that's really important. This is a very tough time, but agencies which have had a good or indifferent 2019. I think this is our chance for every year where we rate them. And that will be, I think, we hope, a sign that normality will one day return. And you know, our job as campaigners to try and help the industry understand what's going on and what will ultimately be a way forward out of the crisis. Indeed, big hearts and
0: open minds. Okay, great. And to finish off with a bit of levity during these admittedly serious times, let's try a new segment where we haven't got a name, but let's just call it Name That Brand, where akin to a radio show, this is a a podcast about radio today, um, we're going to listen to some, I guess you would call it sonic branding, some familiar noises that you would associate with brands and see who's the best out of you from identifying them. Should we give that a go? Give
1: it a go. What do we win?
0: Um, You win the respect and adoration of a loyal campaign podcast (laughs) audience. (laughs) 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 Right. So let's play the first clip and we're going to guess which brand is it? I think particularly during these times, a lot of listeners will be able to guess that one.
2: Gideon, do you want to have a go at that? Um, I'm I'm going to guess this wrong, I think. Is it for some reason I'm thinking of Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO? It is indeed HBO. If you you listen to Game of Thrones
0: or, as you said, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Or the wonderful Westworld, which is returned for season three, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Available on Sky Atlantic. Um, Amazing content HBO continues to do. All right, that was an easy one. Let's see if they get a bit harder. Next one, please. Siobhan, what do you reckon that one was? It's a
1: 20th Century Fox, is it?
0: Gideon, I'm feeling you should know this. Well, I thought it was 20th Century Fox too, but tell me. It more. is, it is, it is. Of course, Thank it's you. 20th Century Fox. Um, yeah. Next one, please. Um, is it,
2: I'm going to be confused. Is it Dell? Uh, could we? Siobhan? No, I
1: it's reckon? one of those. Is it Intel or one of those sort of things? Yes,
0: you're, yes, you're right, Siobhan. It is Intel um one of those um um brands which you kind of admit, i mean i feel like you saw a lot in the 90s television and not so much nowadays you see tv spots for intel i could be wrong i could be massively wrong but yes uh that one was a little bit harder okay next one please mgm mgm Siobhan, what do you think
1: I think so. The big lion roar, isn't it? That's right, isn't it?
0: Yes, Metro Golden Mayor. big lion. okay that was far too easy i think i think this is a good idea for a quiz though we might make this um a regular um thing um very interesting um i hope you got all those at home listener as well and thank you so much for listening today um as gideon mentioned we will have the school reports um from campaign coming out in a couple of weeks and we're planning on having a special podcast to go with that as well but for now thank you so much to our guests siobhan kenny from radio center and gideon spania campaign UK editor-in-chief. Uh, remember you can catch all our stories on campaignlive.co.uk including the latest ads of the week and please do remember to subscribe if you're listening to this for the first time. This episode was recorded by our partners at number eight and edited by Ben Lonsborough and Martha Llewellyn. Bye
1: bye, catch you next time.